sick to my stomach and just thinking about the pressure. It's like different than just teaching or training, which I've done for a long time. Um, but preaching is like the word of God, which is kind of important to get it right. And um, But thankfully, I can tell you 100% that these are God's words and not mine. Um, because I was doing a really bad job trying to figure out what I was going to say, but God gave it to me. Um, and I was trying to figure out what kind of teacher I would be. I feel like if I wasn't so nervous, I'd be more of a walker, like not as energetic as Mark. Um, not as brave as John in my shoe choice. I can't really go up and down the stairs. I would just, it, be, it wouldn't be cute. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I would be more like Gwen. Um, <laughs> But today I'm going to stick close to here because it's got my notes. Um, and I hope you guys don't mind. I just really don't want to mess it up for you. Um, our service today is a bit different. Uh, as you know, we're going to have three of us ladies teaching you. And as we discussed what we wanted to, to speak to you on, the Lord brought a verse to each of us. And it comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verse 25. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Now, if you've read Proverbs 31, you know that it goes into great detail about this wife of noble character. Uh, in our human minds, you can't help but to look at her and go, man, she's perfect. Um, kind of impossible, if I'm honest. I mean, I really don't think she sleeps, um, which is usual for a mom, but like, she's busy while she's not sleeping. I'm just kind of sitting on the couch going, what am I doing here? Um, but if you look into the verses that we're going over today, we'll see what makes her able to accomplish everything that the chapter lists. Uh, we're going to break up uh, this verse into three parts or three characteristics, and today I get to talk to you about being clothed in strength. I'm not going to lie, when Pastor John um, asked me to speak today with Lisa and Michelle, I was honored and terrified, um, but then my next thought was, so what am I going to wear? <laughs> Such a girl thing, right? And we hadn't come up with this verse yet, and that was literally one of my first thoughts, and I said, you know, you want to look nice. Um, you want to look like you know what you're talking about, so people take you seriously. Uh, and as women, you know, you ladies understand the power of a good outfit. Um, it can make you feel strong. It can make you feel confident, authoritative, uh, sassy. It can make you feel beautiful, uh, and so on. So we're going to talk about what it means for us to be clothed in strength. Now, first, I felt like we needed to go over the definition of what strength means. So strength is the emotional or mental qualities necessary in dealing with difficult situations or events that are distressing or difficult. It is the capacity of an object to withstand great force or pressure. It is the influence of power possessed by a person. And it is a person or thing perceived as a source of mental or emotional support. So thinking about these qualities, which of these qualities do you identify with? How many of you feel like you don't possess any of these qualities. How many of you thought strength just meant that you like, you know, could win a bodybuilding contest or you would look like Wonder Woman um, or Superman, depending on your gender? Um, now that we have a more expansive idea of what strength is, how do we go about being clothed in strength? Well, what does it mean to be clothed? I mean, we could go with the obvious, you know, definition, to put clothes on. So I bet you didn't see that one coming, right? <laughs> But it can also mean to provide someone with clothes and last to endow with a particular quality. So here are a few things that I was thinking about and God kind of revealed to me uh, about being clothed. One, clothes are not inherently ours. And number two, clothes, uh, being clothed is a choice. When we are born, we're born naked. We didn't come into this world with clothes on. And if we don't clothe ourselves each day, we're going to remain naked. 
Now, most kids enjoy running around, you know, with little to no clothes on. I know that my boys always enjoyed that. Um, I had to teach them to put clothes on, but I also had to teach them why they needed clothes. Um, they needed to be modest, especially around their sisters, uh, but clothes also provide protection from the elements around you. Imagine going out in the Texas sun without any cover, or that eternal winter we were having without any cover. Um, we can choose not to be clothed, but then we are accepting the consequences of not being clothed, and we're choosing the consequences of that choice. But how do we become clothed if we don't have clothes? Where did you get your outfit? Did it appear in your closet? And no, forgetting that you owned it and finding it two years later does not count as a miraculous appearance. Or like me, losing it under a pile of laundry for about three months and going, oh yeah, I forgot I had that shirt. It's not an appearance, you know, you either bought it or somebody gave it to you. So either way, at one point, it did not belong to you. You either accepted the payment it cost to own the clothes or you accepted the gift and then you made a choice to clothe yourself in it. Being clothed with strength has the same concept. Now, how do we get the outfit of strength? Is it something we can buy ourselves or something we have to be given and then willing to receive it? Now, as we learned just a few minutes ago, strength is not just physical. You can purchase supplements and a membership to a gym uh, to become strong on your own efforts, but strength is something within. It's a mental toughness, emotional and mental discipline, the ability to push through difficult or trying situations. The world believes that strength can be achieved by yourself. You know, you have your truth, and you live the way that you feel is right, but how often do we see unbelievers absolutely crumble in the time of hardships? I see people constantly, whether it's at work or out in, you know, just in the world, absolutely lose their tempers constantly when something becomes too difficult and they start lashing out through verbal obscenities or snippy behavior. That is not the strength that I want. Their clothes are not cute. So instead of clothing themselves with true strength, they've clothed themselves with pettiness or anger. So if we cannot buy these clothes, who can give them to us? So let's look at a few verses who tell us how we receive this. 2 Samuel 22:33 says, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my ways perfect. Habakkuk 3, 18 and 19 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. 1 Chronicles 29, 12 says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So in his hands, it says, whose hands? It's the Lord's hands. And in the Lord's hands are strength. So in his hands are the strength and the power to exalt and give strength to who? Is it only the sinless? Only those who already work out? It's not me, by the way. Only men? Only assemblies of God members? Nope. He has the power to give strength to all. Now, yes, God has the power to give strength to all, but he is selective. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 18 through 21, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. So now that we know who our strength comes from, how do we continue to be remain clothed in strength? One, we need to give, um, we need to love the Lord with the strength that he's given us and persevere in faithfulness and Christ-like behavior in spite of circumstances. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Two, we need to seek the Lord in his wisdom. Psalm 105.4, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Proverbs 24.5, A wise man has great power, and a man of knowledge increases strength. And three, we need to remain joyful. Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It sounds easy, right? No big deal. We can do that. Well, now that we have a clearer picture of what this woman looked like being clothed in strength, um, we can kind of realize that she was someone not easily affected by disease or hardship. She wasn't easily disturbed or upset. She showed determination, self-control, and good judgment. And she did this by being a woman who sought the face of God. She grew in his wisdom through his holy word, she remained joyful even in times others would reserve for grieving. Now you may be asking why? Like why do I need strength from God? Why do I need to be fully clothed in it? If it's an outfit essentially, can I just choose when to put it on and when to take it off? Sure you can. Because like I said, being clothed is a choice. But what other outfit are you going to put on in its place? One of weakness? One of submission to the desires of the world? Do you think the Proverbs 31 woman was able to accomplish all she did each day by not being constantly clothed in the strength of our Savior? Well, here's what the Bible says is our purpose for being clothed in strength. Exodus 15:2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Psalm 73:26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. If we aren't clothed in God's strength, then who's our salvation? Who will save us from the eternal damnation we deserve for our failures? What choices will we make when our heart and our flesh fail us? Now, I don't want to get all down and out about it. Here's some encouraging verses on what it means, why we want to choose to be clothed in strength. Philippians 4.13, everybody knows it, right? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There is nothing in God's plan for you that you cannot accomplish when you wear the strength given to you by our Lord and Savior. God commands his believers to be clothed in strength. That's another good reason. If he commands me to do it, I kind of want to do it. So let's see or hear his commands. 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And Paul also urges us in Ephesians 6.10-11, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I know that this applies to all of us, but being a mom myself, I want to talk to just the moms for just a moment. I'm going to try not to cry at this part. I tend to be an emotional person. As a mom, I want to be strong for my children. I want to stand against the schemes the devil has laid out for them. I want to be joyful so that they can be full of joy. I want to be wise so that they can learn everything they need to know about being a godly man or woman. I want them to see my spiritual clothes and desire to wear them. You, we see our kids. They, they follow what we do, don't they? They say little phrases that they say. They have little mannerisms that we have. Um, Eliana is 
me through and through. I mean, she looks like her dad, but she acts like me. Everything she does, her little attitude and her little face that she gives. And I'm, my parents used to always say, fix your face. Hated that. I say it all the time. All the time, fix your face. But I realize it's, it's my face she's making. It's my attitude she's showing, but she's also very kind and very giving, and I can only pray that that came from me too. <laughs> so I gotta take credit somewhere, but I know that it was fully God. If anything good comes out of my children, I've got five of them, one of them's bound to be good, right? I mean, I've got a, I've got a chance. But they are, they're beautiful children, but it, it seriously comes <clears throat> from God in me. And so I just pray that what I'm wearing spiritually is what they end up wearing when they get older. Now, I know we as moms never feel good enough. We never feel smart enough or involved enough or that we're doing the right thing at all times. Is there any mom in here who feels 100% she's always doing it right? Do you ever feel like you're doing it right? When you're all ready for church and you're getting ready to teach and you're yelling at your kid, get your shirt on. Like, well, that wasn't patience, was it, Sarah? That wasn't joyfulness. But guess what, ladies? We don't have to be good enough. God is enough. In him is all the strength we need to care for our families. I want to end my time in prayer, but I want to pray scripture over you from Ephesians. So if you guys will just bow your heads, let God's word fill our hearts. For this reason I kneel before you, Father, from whom your whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen us with power through your spirit and our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that my brothers and sisters in Christ here, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge so that we can be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Michelle's turn. All right. It's so good to be here. What an honor to get to speak on Mother's Day. It's a little nerve-wracking, but wow. You know, uh, Pastor asked uh, Lisa and Sarah and I to do this, like uh, Sarah said, about two months ago. And when we got together and we said, okay, this is the verse we're going to use, uh, Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five, And it's a good verse, right? It's a good verse for t-shirts. It's, it's a good verse for coffee mugs. You might have a plaque on your wall. Everybody knows this verse. Even if you don't know much of the Bible, you kind of know that verse. I had a little bit of a problem with this verse. I'm going to admit this. It doesn't sound real Christian. But I thought, you know, I like that verse. It's a good verse. But that part about laughing at the future kind of always didn't settle well with me. And uh, my, the verse I have here says, she laughs without fear of the future. And so when we talked about it, and Lisa said, okay, we'll take she's fearless of dignity and strength. And so we'll each pick a piece of that. And I said, okay, I'll do either strength or dignity. I'm not going to do the fearless part. And so, and of course, with wisdom, Lisa says, pray about it and see where God's leading you. And I kept going, okay, God, I'll do any of those but fearless. 
And God kept saying, you're going to do fearless. And uh, so I kept kind of pushing. I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe Lisa's going to call me and say, God spoketh to me. Michelle, you shall do dignity. That never happened. And so with prayer, I was like, okay, God, okay, I'll, I'll do fearless and the whole laughing at the future thing. And, and I said, who laughs at the future? I mean, have you, you know, who our president is? Future? Are we really that confident in our future and global warming and all this stuff? And you're thinking, in, in the future, I'm not supposed to worry about it. Well, that piece God dealt with me first. He said, okay, Michelle, I'm not talking future 10, 15, 20 years. I'm talking tomorrow. Michelle, do you trust me with tomorrow? Do you trust me with, in a couple of weeks, some stuff is going to happen? Do you, that's future. Future is this evening. Maybe you're going home to a situation that is not a good future. So future could be a couple hours from now. So that had to sink in first to me of what he was talking about, laughing at the future. Future needs my daily bread today, today, and the next hour. Are you trusting me with that? So once God kind of led me through that, I said, okay, I can trust you with my day. I can trust you with my hour. I'm going to step this through and quit looking at the 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Let me deal with today and trusting God. And then we, the next thing I had to deal with, laughing at the future. Well, who laughs? Somebody that's happy, right? So let's start there with the basics. Uh, read to uh, Proverbs 8, 32 through 34. It says, And now, my children, listen to me. Happier are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. And I thought, that's simple, right? When you, you're trying to figure something out, you go to the Word of God. And he says here, listen to me. I can listen to God, right? I can be still and quiet and listen. That leads to happiness. Then you think, who else is happy? When I think about happy people, another quality that a happy person has is they have peace. A peaceful person is a happy person. So with happy and peaceful, laughter comes, right? Somebody that's sad is not going to be laughing. Uh, and so then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going back to God's word. Where, God, show me some women in the Bible that were peaceful, that I would picture as happy. And it read, uh, led me to Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you know the story of Mary and Martha, again, a part of the Bible that kind of always rubbed me wrong because of my personality, because I said, I can identify with Martha. I can so, I get Martha. She's a hard worker. I'm a hard worker. So she's out there and she's diligent and she's busy. And there's Mary just being lazy, sitting there, just listening to God. So I always associate more with Martha. But I love this because I'm thinking the two ladies had a different focus. Martha was very task-oriented and focused on the task of Here they are getting ready. Jesus is coming over. They're having dinner. And Martha is task on hand. She's getting everything ready, getting the house clean, getting the food ready. And Mary is sitting there at Jesus' feet just enjoying the time with her Savior, right? Enjoying your time with Jesus. Each lady had a different focus. And that focus caused different feelings, right? We we have emotions, us men and women, but women more so. And so because of the focus... Martha was focused on the task, and she was troubled. Mary was focused, had an eternity mindset, and she had peace. I can kind of picture her there, very peaceful, enjoying the conversation, maybe head back, laughing, enjoying the conversation there. I want to be like Mary. I want to have that peace. I don't want to be troubled like Martha. 
A couple of weeks ago, Pastor John had a sermon on focus. And so this is where we're talking about focus. That focus can lead to that peace, can lead to that happiness, can lead to that laughter. And I'm going to give a quote from Pastor John. He says, what gets your attention gets your focus. What captures your focus determines your direction, and your direction determines your destination. Our focus is so important. Nothing in life is as important as the mind of Christ. We choose our focus. We choose our attitude because they go hand in hand. I have some practical applications. Work at learning to speak only good things. This takes work and practice. Look at good in every situation. Take charge of your thought life. Another verse, I know we have lots of verses. Poor Brianna was like, oh, you guys gave me like the whole Bible with the verses up here. And so we're blazing through those. I know when Sarah was talking, I'm like, I was just writing down the scripture references and stuff because I'm like, I know this is good stuff. So uh, just you, I'm not going to read all of it, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Uh, maybe I will read all this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have that ability to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. With When you take every thought captive, you're getting that focus right where it needs to be. Some people call focus like a mental discipline or emotional intelligence. Some other practical aspects of this is giving thanks in all things. You must see God in all things. All God can do is good. That's his nature. Uh, and God is bringing good in all situations that are bad. That's a bonus, right? Bad situation, God's working through for his good. What an amazing bonus. Of uh, Gratitude. Keep a gratitude journal. Start and finish each day with positive in your life and stay positive. Who you hang out with is important. If you're hanging out with people that are downers, not a good idea. You need to break away and stay with like-minded people. I like this quote from Shakespeare. thought I'd throw it in here. Life is neither good nor bad. Thinking makes it so. It starts here. It starts in the mind, and it's the focus. Next scripture verse is Philippians 4. 4 through 8. If you go down to, all of this is good, but uh, verse 8, it says, finally, and always when you find the word finally in scripture, go back and read before that, because that's, that's good stuff. But it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the word there, think, they use is called, uh, it's focus or dwell. Dwell on these things. So again, he's not just leaving us out there. He's given us direction of how to think and what to think on and where to put that focus. So all this is good, right? You're going, okay, Michelle, good Mother's Day sermon. We're talking, you're giving us a guideline of how to focus, where to dwell, what to look on. Because we all like hearing about happiness and laughter and peace and you're like, but you're not talking anything about fear, right? So what brings out fear? Divorce. That word brings about fear. Loss of a job. Loss of a loved one. A failed business. Bankruptcy. Cancer. All these things bring about fear. Well, two months ago when Pastor asked me to share, I didn't know. 
but God knew, pastor didn't know, but God knew that I would hear that word cancer. And so this past Wednesday, I got the call that nobody wants to hear that I have breast cancer. And that's a hard thing to hear. So what do you think when I'm at work Wednesday and I got that phone call? There was fear. That's a true, normal human emotion. And I experienced it. But it doesn't stop there. So in the fear that I felt, because that is a normal human emotion, I went straight to God's word. And I said, God, what do you say about fear? Because I'm feeling it. It's real and I'm feeling it. In Matthew 10, I'm not sure if I got all these verses. Matthew 10, 28 through 31, going to verse 31, it says, do not fear. Now, in the Amplified Version, when you look up do not fear, it says, stop doing this. It says, go on refusing to do this. Go on refusing to do this. So that's a command there. Do not fear. Go on refusing to do this. I love that part. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, I'm not going to read all this, but they do talk about being anxious. And it's a little different there in the Amplified Version. It says anxious, it says don't begin this. Different than the fear. So I think, you know, God knew we have human emotions and that we're going to experience the feeling, the emotion of fear. But he says, okay, feel it, but then stop it. And with anxiety, he says, don't begin this. Never do this. Difference. So, yeah, you can feel the fear, but you don't live there. You don't stay in the fear. So when I felt that and I got that call at work, God just wrapped his arms around me, and I cry out, Abba, Father. And he was there. He met me there. And then I remind myself, who is God? First of all, God is sovereign. I know that in my heart that he is in control and he's in charge. That is solid in my being. God is sovereign. The second thing, God is good. Nothing comes from God but goodness. And that is solid in the core of my being that I know God is good. Romans 8, 14 through 17. I'm not going to read all of it to you, but keep these verses close to you. Again, we are not given a spirit of fear. God is good. We have a spirit brought us adoption to sonship, right? We have a spirit. We're God's children. We are heirs with Christ. What could be better than that? That is such encouragement for me. I hope it's encouragement for you. You know, um, we all have different fears in life and different things that we have to go through. There's a a parable that Jesus uh, tells in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 7. And he's talking about the wise man and the foolish builder. And one is building his house on the rock. And one is building his house on the sand. And a storm comes. Now, there's two houses, and both are getting beat up by the storm. So after that storm hits both of these houses, they may have a, a couple of windows, both of them, a couple of windows knocked out, maybe a few shingles missing, maybe a couple of breasts missing. You can laugh. This is, But you know what? In the end, one is standing, right? I have my life built on the rock. And if you don't, listen to me. If you have not built your life on the rock, which is Jesus, a life in Jesus, please don't waste another day. 
because the, the, the house that was built on the sand, it says it took a great fall. Let that not be. God doesn't want anybody to perish. If you have not built your life on the rock of Jesus, let me encourage you today to take that time. It's a free gift. Ask Jesus into your heart and build this life that can be a fearless life here on earth with Christ as your Savior. All right. Thank you for listening to me today. All right. Here's Lisa. Amazing, amazing women speaking before me out of, uh, I believe, experience and depth and wow. Uh, great job, Sarah. Great job, Michelle. What an honor to come up and, and wrap this up and hopefully um, tie it all in together. And, and as Michelle was saying, when we, when we came together earlier in the week to just kind of hash out, okay, where we're at, we wanted to make sure we were all talking and had some order about us. And so we started talking and every one of us said the exact same thing. If I was going to pick the one I wanted to talk about, it would not have been this one. Sarah said, I would not have picked strength. I wouldn't have picked that because I don't feel strong. And of course, Michelle shared her story. And the last one I wanted to talk about was dignity. And uh, because I'm like, Lord, to me, dignity is like some pious person looking down their nose at everyone. And so God began to reveal to me some fresh thought on dignity. So I hope today as we uh, are sharing that you're taking home and depositing some things that you'll carry with you um, and be encouraged by. So we've already heard from Sarah how much ladies love clothes and what they do for us. And I don't know that there's not many men who have the same thing. When a girl hears from another woman, I love your outfit, it's just different. It's just awesome. Like, yeah, okay, I got this. How many of you do this? This drives Pastor crazy, just heads up. I got this at Ross for $5. That's the best feeling ever, right? We love our clothes. We like to look at each other's clothes. We like to comment on each other's clothes. Um... And so when I think about clothes, you know, they're, they're very special to us and we enjoy them very much and they are a part of who we are. And when we talk about she is clothed in strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. What a great way it's already been brought to you today. But when I talk about clothing, um, of course, as Sarah mentioned earlier, uh, when I started thinking about clothing, it means covered. I'm covered, right? I'm covering up with my clothing, no matter what it is. But what does it mean to be covered in dignity? So dignity comes from the Latin word dignitas or dignus, which is worthy. Um, another definition of dignity, because I was like, well, Lord, I feel like saying I'm worthy still just means, you know, I'm a little bit uppity and I don't really want, I'm not that person. And so he began to unfold some things for me and allow me to see some different definitions. So a couple of definitions that are the most common are worthy and esteemed, but some more uh, additional definitions are calm, controlled, and admirable. And I be felt like God began to talk to me about us being driven by our emotions. And just as the two ladies before me have had opportunities to experience way before we were ever asked to be a part of this day, God knew the things that we would be going through in our own personal lives. And um, I had the opportunity, the privilege, and the honor some few months ago at my job to walk through some things that I saw myself on both sides of the fence, being driven by my emotions, and then 
capturing my thoughts and getting myself back in check and knowing who I am and whose I am. It was awesome time, although uh, I really don't want to go through that again, Lord. But it was awesome after I got through it. So I started thinking about the clothes in my own closet, right? So in my closet, I have clothes that are for special occasions. I have clothes that are comfortable and they feel good. I did change into comfortable shoes for this because I didn't want to fall as I was talking because I have a little bit of Mark Miller as I move, right? Um, I have clothes that or uh, they don't fit me, but I'm hanging on to them because someday they might, right? Um, I have some things that I've grown out of. And I have the, some things that are the color yellow, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about why that's significant in just a little bit. But in my spiritual closet, I started thinking about, okay, what's in my spiritual closet? And what's been put in there for me to be able to take and put on myself? And one of those things is self-control, Self-control, and you can see now, if you know me, why this might have been the most difficult one for me to talk about. Self-control, not letting our emotions drive us. I can be a pretty animated, as you can see me here, I can be a pretty animated person. Some of you know me, some of you are like, really? I didn't know that. Um, but not learning, and this is things that have been, these are, uh, this is not the first teaching on not being driven by your emotions at the chapel. Praise God for that for my life. I'm thankful for that for my life because because of that teaching, I've walked through some things that 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to sustain. So I'm thankful that I've had some teaching in my life about not being driven by my emotions. Um, I don't get it right every time. I will tell you that. I'll be honest with you with that. But I have learned some things and I've learned when to check myself before I wreck myself, Right. A few weeks ago in MapQuest studies, Brianna was teaching, and she made this statement that said, emotions follow, but truth leads. Emotions follow, and I was like, ooh, that's good, and that'll go really good with what I'm going to talk about. Our emotions, if we are led by our emotions, we are we tend to follow whatever the, the strongest emotion in the room is what pastor taught us. The strongest in the emotion in the room will, will direct us right? If you walk in this room and everybody, uh, if, if I'm angry and I'm the loudest one angry, somebody else is going to take on that anger if they're not able to control their own self, right? If I'm happy, same thing. Fearful, same thing. Those emotions, we can tend to follow emotions, but the truth, which is consistent, which doesn't change, will lead us if we'll allow it to. The truth is God's word. It will lead us to a higher place, to a maturity in Christ that 10 years ago, this girl wouldn't have been able to, to walk through some things at Pepsi-Cola that she's been through because I've had some wisdom brought into my life and I've, I've tried to apply it and I've tried to allow the truth to lead me instead of being led by my emotions. See, God designed our emotions to be gauges, not guides. It should be gauging us. They're meant to report to you not to dictate you. The pattern of your emotions will give you a reading on where your hope is because they're wired into what you believe and value and how much. The pattern of your emotions. So if you look at your week last week and you see yourself doing like this, you might want to go back and evaluate the highs and the lows and find some scripture to even that out just a little bit. Right? Because it'll show you what you value. 
If you can see what set, what pushes your buttons, what makes you angry. I can speak for every mother in this room. If you mess with my babies, you're gonna, I'm going to get angry. Right? Mama bears are very protective of their children because they're valuable to me. Don't mess with that. Right? Whatever makes me happy or, or joyous or fearful, I've put some value in. Another thing in my spiritual closet is calm. And so uh, calm is one I have to work on. Um, but to me, I was like, well, what is calm really? So calm is preparing. And in order to maintain calm and to wear that, I think you've got to, wear, you've got to be prepared in advance for stuff. In order to, because calm doesn't just, the, the, being able to say you're calm in a situation isn't uh, because the situations are always good. I believe it's being prepared in advance for the chaos, which is our life. We live in a real world, and there's crazy stuff going all around us. But being uh, prepared in advance for chaos is part of being clothed in dignity. So you're dressed for the stress ahead of time. You're prepared. You're already ready for this. You put on your armor of God. You put on your salvation. Amen? And you walk in strength and in character. You clothe yourself in those things. You clothe yourself in, in fearlessness. You're dressed already for the stress. It does not mean we don't have emotion. It does not mean there won't be situations that come into our life to make us fearful. It doesn't mean the storms will never happen to your household. It doesn't mean your kids are going to always be perfect. It doesn't mean your health is always going to be good. It doesn't mean that you'll never get a bad report. But what it does mean is I've got another garment in my closet that's a garment of praise that I put on my body for a spirit of heaviness. And so when my, in my weakest time, he shows up and gives me that other garment of strength as I begin to praise him and thank him for every season of my life. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When chaos ensues, we put on strength. We put on focus. I will tell you, I want to speak to the mothers real quickly on this one, but your children will look to you to see how you react to determine how they should react. They're going to look at you when adversity comes, and they're going to decide, okay, I'm going to look at mom as a gate. Should I freak out now, or should I maintain it's truth. I learned this really early on with my children. I, uh, years ago, Homer can speak to this. I had, I was terrified of storms, of natural storms. I was terrified of a tornado coming through and blowing me away. I was terrified to a point of meltdown every time a tornado watch would come across the TV. I was pulling out the mattress, getting the kids in the closet. It's true story. I would freak out. And one day, I saw the same fear that I hated in myself, in my children. And I said, God, I need you to deliver me from this. And it wasn't long after that that we began to go through some teaching on no fear here at the chapel. And God set me free, and I sleep through storms. I mean, it may come and blow me away, but I can sleep through them today. But I didn't want that fear that I had in my own life to be projected on my children. So mothers... When you're scared, they get scared. When you're happy, they're going to be happy. 
your children will look at you when strife comes and determine whether or not they should be concerned or jump in on it. Another lesson I learned uh, as I was raising my daughter was that uh, in school, things got a little dramatic sometimes, and she would come home, and she had a couple of friends who thrived on drama, and I would tell her, we don't operate in drama. We have a no drama rule at our house. Because, see, she could have gone back. I could have said, oh, she's right. You go right back up there and you tell her. I could have said that and got her all engaged in the drama, right? But it, it wouldn't have served her well. It wouldn't have served the situation well. And it would have told her drama's okay. It's okay to get all anxious. It's okay to talk about your friends. It's okay to go. They're going to look at you. They're going to look at me. And it doesn't matter what age they are. When they come to you with situations, if you've got grown children, they're going to look in your eyes and they're going to want to know, do I need to, am I strong enough to deal with this? Because they're not just coming to you to talk. They're gauging what the situation is because I need to know, how do I react in this? Should I be afraid? Mom, you are clothed in strength. You have self-control. You are fearless. And when we project that to our children, I believe that it changes the adults that they are. Just like when a toddler's learning to walk, you can tell immediately. I love to see this because you can always see the two different moms. So there's one mom when the toddler falls that <gasps> runs over and pulls up the child. Are you okay? Let me see everything. And then there's the one that everybody else goes, <gasps> and the mom goes, they're okay. They're all right. Get up. I'm not going to tell you which one I am. You can ask my kids. But there's something about that that the kid's like, oh, okay, I'm okay. I'm all right. Let's shake it off. Shake it off, right? Or they're going to melt down because mama melted down because that's the reaction I should have taken on. They're learning from us in how to be in control. And then as I began to continue studying, I, I wanted to bring out the the topic of worthy as women, sometimes I think that I think as people we struggle with this, but as women, I think sometimes we're always um, questioning our worth, our self worth. If we're not careful, we allow society to tell us our value, um, or other people around us, maybe people that were surrounding us when we were children, have given us an idea of who we are. But what I want to say today is recognize the designer of the clothes you have. He is clothed in majesty and in power, and he created you in his image. So we are clothed in power and strength, and he's filled our closet with items designed for us for every season. There is something for every season for us. When I think about uh, things that... I, I, Maybe I pulled out of my closet. I didn't know that I had. One of the things is yellow. I told you I would talk about that. Um, my entire life, I was told, don't wear yellow. Yellow is not your color. Uh, my mother, God bless her, would emphasize that, no, we're not buying yellow. We're not buying yellow. 40 plus years, I never bought yellow, never wore yellow. Last year, I was shopping at Ross, and I found these yellow shoes. And these shoes, I was like, they're so cute. And surely I can find something up here that's not yellow, and I can wear the shoes. 
So then I had the shoes. Well, then I went to another store, and I found this yellow shirt, and I just loved the design of it. And I was like, I don't care. If, if I just wear it shopping, I'm buying this shirt. Well, I wore the shirt, and people were like, wow, you look great in yellow. I was like, my whole life, I never wore yellow because I was told, don't wear yellow. Who's telling you what you are? Who's telling you, who's surrounding your, who's talking in your ear and telling you what you are or what you should be wearing? Because the enemy wants to tell you that you're not strong. He wants to tell you, you are not strong enough for this. You have not lived enough life to be strong enough for this. But the, the word of God says that he is our strength. He is our portion. I love how our bodies are designed and that that sometimes strength shows up when we did not know. I mean, the strength was always there, but sometimes we're able to like do things we didn't know, like superhuman strength things we didn't know we had in us because God, I believe God gives us that adrenaline and it releases endorphins and then boom, guess what? There's a doctor in the house. I really shouldn't talk like I know what I'm talking about. I don't know where she went to. Don't judge me, Hope. No. <laughs> um, but I want to tell this story because as I begin to think about strength I didn't have, and I'm wrapping up, I promise. But years ago, Justin was about 10 years old. I was a lot smaller then. And uh, I was in the house one day cleaning. The kids were outside playing. And, and Courtney, the announcer, she came flying in the door. And she said, Mom! Justin's hurt. Justin wrecked his bike and he's hurt his leg. And of course, as a mother, what do you do? You drop. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You drop it. And I took off running in my flip-flops down the middle of the street about a half a block. I didn't ask what, why, nothing. I just flew. All I could see was my son was laying under his bike. And in my mind, his leg was maimed, maybe missing. Uh, I didn't know what was going on. But either way, I knew it was bad. It was bad, bad. And so I had to get there. I flew over there. I jerked Justin up and I took off running down the middle of the street carrying this 10 year old boy who I didn't carry my 10 year old son into the church anymore. If he would have said, mom, pick me up. I would have went, you're too heavy. I'm not picking you up. But in that moment, I had strength I didn't even know I had within me. And I jerked that kid up and I'm running halfway down the street before I heard him yelling, mom, stop. My friends are going to see me. And I was like, oh, he was fine, you know. He was fine. But in me, strength rose up that I didn't know I had. And in you, when you come into the place of disaster or tragedy in your home, strength will rise up in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same strength that raised Christ from the dead will raise you up and quicken your mortal body to be able to do things you didn't know you had the power within you to do. God is good. The enemy will tell you that you have, that you are full of fear. Listen to the fear. You can cast that off because God already said in his word, I didn't, I'm not the spirit of fear. If you get fearful, as, as Michelle said, you're, you feel the emotion, but you don't have to stay there. You can cast that off. And the, the enemy will also tell you that you have no value because of either your past mistakes or maybe your current situation. But I will tell you today that God is looking at you as daughters and sons of a king, and he sees value in you, and he loves you right where you're at. He sees value in you, and he has good things for you. 
He's put some amazing clothes in your closet of worthiness, and I just challenge you today to try them on. Moms, don't let society tell you you're doing a good job or not because society has a distorted way of making working moms feel like they're not doing enough and stay-at-home moms feel like they're worthless sometimes. You can't please them, but know who you are. Know whose you are. And rise up in that as a mighty woman of God. Put on strength. Put on dignity. And laugh without fear of your future. Who's defining you today? There's clothes for someday. Some of us are waiting till someday to put them on. But I'm going to tell you right now, those clothes are here for you today. Those clothes of strength, those garment of praise, those the clothes of self-worth. He's saying, put them on. Try them out. I've got something in that spiritual closet for you with your name embroidered on it. You're fearless, you're powerful, and you're strong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. It is good. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you, Lord, that you order our steps, that we don't have to do this life alone. Thank you, Father, that you have given us a spirit of strength, that you have given us garments of praise, Lord, that you've allowed us to be clothed in your strength and and dignity. And God, you've given us the strength to laugh without fear of tomorrow because you are an amazing father. And you is who we put our trust in Jesus' name. Amen.